0: Hello, and welcome to The Healed Podcast, the place where we can talk about all things food, body, and mind from an anti-diet and weight-inclusive lens. My name is Marie-Pierre, or you can call me Marie, and I am your host. I'm a registered dietitian with a background in psychology, and I specialize in food relationship and body image. And I am the founder and CEO of The Balance Practice, a treatment center for eating disorder and disordered eating. Every week on the podcast, you will hear from myself, the team at The Balance Practice, Practice and other providers who have dedicated their careers in supporting folks to have better relationship with food and their bodies. On this podcast, we aim to provide a safe space to have these deep and juicy conversations regarding eating disorder, disordered eating recovery, health, relationship, body image, and honestly, anything we believe will support you in living your big, beautiful life. We believe in the power of healing, and hopefully this podcast will be a great addition to your toolbox in your healing journey. Thank you for tuning in today, and let's get to the podcast. to the Healed Podcast. This is your host, Marika. You can call me Marie. I'm super pumped to be here with you today. Happy December. How are we feeling this December? Before we get into this amazing podcast with Celia, and I cannot wait to tell you more about her, I wanted to check in on how we feel as we're coming to the last month of the year. December can be an emotionally loaded month, right? With the holidays coming up, potentially more social, more family events, maybe more events around food, but also with this like end of year feeling that can be quite stressful. And we can see, you know, different messages around December, whether it's like end of year push and doing more until the end, like kind of hustle culture the grind. We can also start, you know, being a lot more reflective on the last year that just went by. Right. And thinking about, the things that happened over the last year, whether positive or negative or just neutral. And that can also bring quite a lot of feelings right? when we are in this reflective modes. So before we get into today's amazing conversation, I do want to offer you this moment to just check in with self on how we're feeling, how all of this is coming up for you in this moment. Taking a deep breath in. I know for me, December in the past has had a lot of different meanings. Like I remember growing up, December was my one of my favorite months with the holidays. You know, when you go to school, it's a short month of school. It's like festive. I remember so much, so many great memories as a family around the holidays. I've shared this on the podcast in the past, but my family's half French Canadian, half Italian, and that means food <laughs> and a lot of food. So Before my ED, it was quite a pleasurable time. And then I remember with my eating disorder, how stressful December was because it meant a break from school. So a break from the distractions of school. It also meant food and a lot of food and access to food and seeing people. And I remember it just, I couldn't stand December. December felt like the longest month of the year and it felt so, so difficult to push through. So, getting that support was so important. And that part of me that just, yeah, needed that extra support around that time. And then, post recovery, December has started to have more positive vibes again, where you know, the festivities are, are really fun. I'm starting to really enjoy a lot of those those things that I used to when I was younger. And as I am, you know, at the practice and all the things that we're, we're doing, we're also noticing a lot of that like end of year push that I'm actively trying to not engage in this year. <laughs> right. And allowing December to just be December. It's pretty interesting when I think about, you know, months and times as a concept that we have this idea that the December is the end, right? It's like the end of the year, the end of the season. But that is a social concept. Like what if it's just another month? What if it's not the end of anything? I personally do love the reflections over the year because my brain adores all of that. And I think letting go of this pressure of time of you know, it's not the end nor the beginning, it just is a continuation of time. And for our social norms and our concepts as humans, like we, we like to have that end and beginning, but what if it isn't like, what if it's just another month, for me, at least has provided a lot of kind of release around the pressures of December. So wherever you are at and know however you are feeling around this month, I just wanted to check in with you and provide you maybe this opportunity to check in with yourself on how this month and the feelings that we may have as we enter this month. And we do this with the Balance program every month, but also checking in on how do we want to feel this month? What do we want to embody? What intentions do we have for ourselves this month? So we can start loving more intentionally. Now, let me switch gears and tell you about today's podcast because I am pumped to share this conversation I've had. So I have Celia Clark on the podcast today, and today we're talking about IFS for eating disorders. So IFS is Internal Family Systems, and it is a treatment modality or a therapeutic modality that has been used for many years. And it is so interesting and so good. Like literally after doing this podcast episode with Celia, I automatically went online, looked for all the courses I can take on this because I absolutely love this approach. And I think this applies for eating disorders, but I think it applies for all of the things. Like there's so many things that like as Celia was talking that just felt like it was just so connected and you'll, you'll get to hear more from Celia and I'm sure you'll feel the same way. So who is Celia? Celia Clark is a disordered eating specialist and she is a therapist. She uses IFS in her work to do parts work with with her clients to support them in the recovery of their eating disorder and disordered eating. Celia has lived experience of having an ED and has been practicing for many years as a therapist. And when she found IFS, she felt so connected to this method and now uses it with all of her works with her clients. With the works that she do involving all of the parts, she really focuses on food and body image to really support them in building a trust and safety inside their own body. As her client, learn to work through their own parts, offer gratitude and understanding of how it all works for their own good. I am so excited for you guys to hear from Celia on the podcast. It was such an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed meeting her on the podcast and just talking about how this approach could be so supportive for folks with ED. So on that note, my friends, let's go talk to Celia. Hi, Celia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there, Marie. Thank you so much
1: for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah,
0: I'm so excited for us to connect today. We have a really fun topic to talk about. But before we get into it, I'd love to know more about you, where you're from, what you do, and what got you to do the work that you do today. Okay, so (laughs) um, (laughs) we're like like really getting into it. (laughs)
1: So yeah, I'm a disordered eating specialist and I work in private practice from my home in Orkney, which is a very tiny island right in the north of Scotland. So very rural, very quiet. I quite like it that way. I've been in private practice for many years now and I used to work face to face but when Covid hit everything then moved online so I've really been working online since then um, supporting adult women with eating disorders and disordered eating. I guess in terms of how I got here it might be helpful to go back to when my relationship with food and the body became more problematic for me because that's really the kind of origins of my kind of career choice and the work that I do now I was quite a sensitive child when I was growing up and i did didn't feel safe a lot of the time and very disconnected from my body. I was very confused about the world and I didn't really understand other people. I also wasn't really able to understand what was going on inside my body. So kind of my body sensations, emotions. And then around age 11, I started making myself sick after eating. Now this wasn't something that I'd read about. It wasn't something I knew about. It was something that my body instinctively did in response mm-hmm. to my experience and um, so that was kind of my entry point into kind of this more difficult relationship with food and it wasn't really so much about spelling the food For my body, it was more about this kind of metaphor of expelling what was held inside. You know, really that kind of shame, emotional distress, and really expelling it in this way brought huge relief. And this is a pattern that then went on for many, many years. And in that time, I also began to, you know, kind of get caught up in this really, this really fairly intense binge restrict cycle, binge restrict purging cycle. And this went on for many, many years, right through into. I would say early mid-twenties and I eventually spoke to a professional when I was around 24 so it really took that long before I was even able to acknowledge that I had a problem. It took some time to access therapy and I was able to access talking therapy for about a year Mm. and this really did go some way in terms of reducing you know more of the high-risk behavior that I was engaging Mm -hmm. in but really kind of on reflection like looking back about my experience I really remained plagued with challenges around you know control. My body, struggling relationally with other people, you know, getting in tow with kind of toxic people, really struggling to identify needs and knowing how to meet those needs. And then in my late 20s, I decided to train as a therapist for two reasons. You know, I really, I really wanted to find out how I could best help myself, but I also wanted to learn how I could help others, you know, given my own experience. And I've been a therapist now for about 15 years, and in that time I've trained in a range of therapeutic modalities I have a I have a part who just loves to train who loves to learn you know new things loves that kind of experience of sort of just taking in all that knowledge it just really thrives in that kind of environment so I did training in person-centered counseling family therapy EMDR clinical hypnotherapy and more recently internal family systems um, as well as obviously doing training in eating disorders complex trauma and you know this is a lot I realize this is a lot of training for for one therapist to undertake but you know there's a passion here there's a dedication into to really finding an approach that works and um, and that has worked for me and for my clients and really the kind of final piece of the puzzle for me was integrating internal family systems into my practice you know internal family systems or what i would call ifs has has really been life-changing for me personally but also professionally in terms of my practice and the work that i do with clients So I don't know if you'd want me to just talk a little bit about kind of IFAs or internal factors. Yeah, we can get into
0: that. Before that, I just want to first of all thank you for for sharing with me with the audience your story because I know that you know folks listening can really I'm sure that they can a lot of folks can relate because I think you know eating disorder present differently there's different risk factors and they're maintained differently too and i find sometimes when we have a story that doesn't necessarily fit the like current stigma that eating disorder have of like oh you were unhappy in your body and then you decided to start doing that and then that's Mm -hmm. how you had an eating disorder I find that it can be difficult for folks to kind of like either relate to having an eating disorder or kind of like seek treatment because it just feels like it just they don't fit into that box. So I just really appreciate you being able to share that like, yeah, it was different and like it came about differently and like just how kind of like the body's response and then how it kind of went from there because I I do think it's just so important to kind of like, I don't know, hear those stories and how it can just be different.
1: Yeah, definitely. And my kind of entry into that kind of experience of disordered eating or chaotic eating, you know, it was really about, I guess, my body instinctively found a strategy to cope with what was going on for me. I didn't have another outlet. And so it came up with this idea of kind of expelling from the body what was causing me distress. That is a kind of, different route. You know, many people kind of come into this sort of disordered eating experience because they do have weight and shape concerns and they start restricting food and that that then starts that sort of you know mm-hmm. pendulum effect of you know restriction mm-hmm. and cheating and people kind of get caught in that cycle and you know i did eventually get caught in that cycle but that wasn't yeah. my age. so it can be really different from from one person to the next yeah yeah for sure and i, and I really and I like it. what you're saying about you know people not necessarily seeing themselves in that space it can be really mm-hmm. hard for people to to even acknowledge that actually
0: what they are doing is disordered. Oh, yeah. I think in 2023, it's so difficult with how many messages there are about food and body. And the other last thing I just wanted to point out about your story that I also really like is that I think when we have a really difficult relationship with food and our body, it's really easy to place so much blame on ourselves and guilt and just feeling like I'm, I know with my own experience just just feeling so mad at myself for like doing certain things. And I really love the way that you were like you framed it. And I don't know if you just do it naturally because of what you do, but being able to frame it as like in that moment, it was something that was like needed for your body or it was like your body's instinct to do that maybe as a way to protect maybe as a way to support you through those hard emotions that like at that time we didn't have any other tools so it sounds like although we probably didn't like it definitely you know not adaptive it was still something that supported us through a period yeah, of time Sure,
1: and and i would say you know no matter how extreme you know presentations are or people's behavior becomes there's usually some positive intention behind the behavior there's mm-hmm. usually something of value in the behavior even though it
0: causes distress yeah. because if there wasn't any value it wouldn't be happening 100 like yeah. our brains and bodies are smart <laughs> sometimes smarter than we are you know what i mean like we do things for a reason and sometimes it's just kind of like that engine check light of like hey gotta check in here we need to be able to like you know see what's happening but okay let's talk about ifs so again it, it stands for internal family systems we're really excited to be able to have you talk about this because it's definitely something one we've never talked about this uh, specific modality on the podcast but it's definitely something we see a lot more with eating disorder work so can we maybe start with just like groundwork like what is ifs was brought to you by the Balance Practice. The Balance Practice is a treatment center for eating disorders for folks across Ontario. Our multidisciplinary team of dietitians, therapists, and social worker are here to support you in your recovery. Our team believes in an anti-diet, weight-inclusive, person-centered approach to care. We don't believe in a cookie-cutter way of supporting you through your recovery, and we really meet you where you're at. If you are interested in getting support from a qualified team of healthcare providers, you can visit www.thebalancepractice.com to learn more about how you can work with our providers. On that note, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, and I'm just, I just want to say I'm so happy to be
1: talking about this because it is one of my favourite subjects, so okay. I'm so glad to be able to share this with you and your listeners. So yeah, IFS is this idea that we all have parts and that by getting to know and being alongside what we call our sort of internal family of parts, that we can bring healing to our system and that this healing can bring a sense of balance and harmony inside. And I just want to add that, you know, parts work isn't unique to IFS, so it does show up and other sort of therapeutic approaches, so uh, gestalt therapy, for example, or ego state work. Um, but it also shows up kind of throughout history in you know a number of more ancient sort of spiritual practices as well. So you know it isn't unique to IFS, although it's a core part of the IFS model and, and the approach. I thought I'd share some ideas that you know IFS holds about parts in our system. Yeah, that'd I be awesome. That might be helpful. So we all have parts. Although it may not always appear so, there are no bad parts. So all parts are viewed as valuable. Parts have their own unique perspectives, thoughts and feelings. They display our individuality. So that includes things like our gifts, quirks, genetic traits. Many of our parts have good intentions, although it may not always appear so. Our parts are impacted, you know, by their experience, by their environment. And one of the core concepts of IFS is that our parts form relationships with each other, just like people in a family do. So... Some parts are more supportive, some parts can be in conflict with each other, some parts can hold opposing views, and some of our parts might work together as a group. And as we learn to work with our own systems using the sort of IFS model, our parts can begin to reorganise. The other aspect which is kind of relevant to the kind of disordered eating, eating disorders, is that parts can get stuck in extreme rules. So really like the parts of us who use a focus on food in the body to manage our experience. But the good news is that through the IFS lens is this belief that we can help heal our parts. We can help heal those parts that get stuck in these more extreme roles. And as we help them to heal, they're able to soften back. And so how we do that in IFS is by accessing what we call self. So this is the bit that is unique to IFS. So it's this idea that inside of us is this internal, wise, loving presence that exists at the core of each of us. It's something that can't be damaged, destroyed or taken from us. And... It's often referred to as sort of simply self or sometimes the wise adult self. I often refer to it as the intrinsic self. I know others can sometimes, you know, kind of view this through a more spiritual kind of lens and use terms such as kind of source energy or inner light, consciousness, life force, that kind of thing. Um, And yeah, like I say, I, I prefer to stick to the kind of term of intrinsic self that works for me. And I tend to kind of, you know, invite my clients to really find a term that works for them that they're most comfortable with. And really the idea is that as we become more aware of our intrinsic self and what we might call self energy, we can really learn to be alongside our parts in a way that supports the integration, the healing and the growth of our system. So self might sound a little abstract, but it can be described simply presence of awareness. It's this grounded, centered, non-reactive awareness that really is sort of simply noticing and being in the present moment. It also has the capacity and And this is a really important piece. It has the capacity to notice what's going on inside. So, to notice the sensations, the images, the thoughts, and extend acknowledgement and appreciation to what's going on inside. And that's the connection piece, that's the healing piece. So, we have self, and essentially everything else is parts. So, our thoughts, feelings, body sensations, all parts. And when our parts are able to soften back, self is there, it's always there. It's just that our parts become so intense that they obscure it. So it's a bit like clouds covering the sun. On a cloudy day, the sun is still there above us and the clouds just temporarily block access. So once the clouds begin to clear, we're able to access the healing and life-giving warmth and light of the sun. And the same
0: can be said for self and self energy. I love that. I don't know if anybody else listening felt this way, but like, as you were talking about self, like I found myself like breathing deeper and just like feeling uh, like a sense of calm. And I was like, wow, like this is such a cool thing. <laughs> I like, for so me, beautiful. I imagine that as like a light and I'm like, oh, it's like that, like inner light that we can have that like can it's feel so like it's dimmed. Pretty pretty stays well. there. It's so no, beautiful. It's, it's really cool. You. And I'm curious so as someone who's like very new to this, like when we say parts and then we talked about like thoughts, emotions, maybe like beliefs, behaviors, all these things. Can like thoughts have many parts or is like thoughts one of the parts?
1: Right. So I guess how I, how I would explain it is, you know, if I think about my own experience. I my, mean, You know, something that happened this morning, for example, I woke up and I was really grumpy because like the dishwasher was finished and like my hu- my husband hadn't emptied it and put it away. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, he's not, you know, and it's about noticing that actually not all of me is angry. You know, there's a part of me who feels angry right now hmm. and it's all of me. When I'm really full of anger it's like the part has taken over but as soon as they start to notice that's a part of me that feels angry about that there's this little separation and we go from one to two so there's me and the part and so that's how it kind of Mm. differentiates it you know and it might be that that Uh, angry part also has thoughts about wanting to scream and shout at my husband or do do you know (laughs) tell him what for or do you know but it's not all of me that wants to do that because there's maybe another part of me who realizes he was really busy this morning and he actually didn't have time do you know, mm. so the part that maybe can offer some, yeah, some compassion towards him for his really busy schedule and how full on things are for him, as well as having this part who's like really angry because, you know, I'm having to empty the dishwasher again. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I love that. It's almost like just leaving room for like all the feels, all the thoughts, all of them are like have their place and we don't need to like use shame to retrieve them or like to push them down. But instead, just kind of like allowing them to be there.
1: Yeah. And if we look at it through mm. you know, if we look at it through a kind of disordered eating lens, you know, it's yeah. really about considering the different parts that show up around disordered eating because more traditional treatments view ED through, you know, this lens of kind of ED being one thing and you know being yeah, a bad that guide, externalization. Being a manipulator and you know, let's get rid of that part kind of thing, you know. Through an IFS lens, we we view the kind of eating system as a number of parts. So, you know, the part of me that was really invested in limiting food is very different from the part of me who was you know compelled to binge eat and that's very different again from the part Mm. of me that was compelled to over exercise so it's really about acknowledging that these are different parts who have different roles within our systems and who hold different positive
0: intentions behind their behavior. Yeah, that's really interesting, too. And it is quite a big distinction in indie care when we really work towards like externalizing the ED and like being able to like conceptualize or like try to visualize like the part that's ED, the part that's recovery. But it sounds like with IFS, it's like a little bit bigger than that. Like it's not one versus the other, but instead viewing it as multiple things at multiple yeah. different times
1: yeah absolutely and that the healing work um sorry can you hear the rain in the
0: background yes <laughs> yeah. that's okay it's soothing it's part of this conversation oh, okay. i'm
1: really <laughs> <about> the moment <laughs> when is coming
0: um, oh gosh <laughs>
1: I guess what's different about IFAs is really about supporting this relationship between self and parts, and that's where the recovery work comes in, because you're tapping into this natural wisdom, this natural capacity to heal within the system, rather than in more traditional approaches, which is about kind of energizing this recovery part to become kind of more managerial in the system as opposed to one of the disordered eating parts. Mm -hmm. And there's often a kind of conflict there between, you know, the part who wants to get better and the part who wants things to stay the same. And that's why so, you know, so many people get stuck for so long in ED treatment because there is this continuing conflict that goes on. And so IFS really, you know, self is is amazing at holding space for these internal conflicts, because it's not about the recovery part or the disorder eating part being in charge. It's about self holding space for both of these parts to come to the table and share their experience and be witnessed and be
0: heard and to come together to negotiate a way forward. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I'm curious to hear because I'm like hearing as you're speaking, I'm like, I can imagine some of my clients being like, I don't have a sense of self. Like I can't hear self. Self is not actually there. Like Mm. I don't, I can't relate to having this like inner wisdom or like if it was up to me, I'd just continue with the ED. So I'm, I'm curious, like how you would have that conversation or maybe how you would conceptualize that.
1: Yeah. So, so really what happens at, you know, at the start of therapy often in many systems, especially those with complex trauma, you know, self is hidden, you know, there's just parts everywhere. The, the clouds are thick yeah. and it's hard to access that self. So my role as an IFS therapist is to lend my own self and self energy to their system. And so it becomes Hmm. a relationship from myself to their part until their self is available. But that requires a bit of work on my part. that's, you know, a lot of the training. So there is theory in the training, but there's also a lot of work in terms of, you know, Creating space for our self and self-energy to be as present as possible. You know, I really have to spend a lot of time getting to know my parts, getting to know the parts in particular that tend to show up in therapy and try to manage the process, you know, parts you might try to fix or rescue because actually they get in the way of the process really the, yeah. healing, the healing part of this is me being able to access myself,
0: my self energy and offering that to the client. And what does it mean like offering that to the client? Like, is it modeling behaviors so it's or not about modeling, but some of it is
1: also about this real, this, this presence, this really grounded, mm. centered presence who can really be alongside their parts without an agenda. You know, often in, complex systems there are just parts popping up left right and center and they've all got different agendas and the system's in chaos so it can really be quite transformative to have someone sitting opposite you with this really holding healing presence who has no agenda who is simply there to listen observe and witness
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I I can totally feel that too of like when we have a space that is just like a safe space to just be and not having to be any differently than how we are currently presenting. Like that on its own can just be so just beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. The other aspect
1: that's quite important to kind of address here is or just acknowledge is that we have different types of parts. So initially, you know, when I start working with a client, there's often lots of what we call protector parts. These are the parts who want to kind of manage the therapy process in a certain way. There might be, you know, a part who wants to be the kind of good client or, you know, the part who gets frustrated with the process or, you know, there's different, yeah, there's a lot of those protector parts initially. And really what the aim of the work is, is getting getting connection with these protector parts, building a relationship, creating trust and safety inside so that they then begin to let us access what we call exiled parts, and these are the younger wounded parts within our system that are often very hidden, and that's what we then get access to. And once we heal those exiled
0: parts, that's when the protector parts step back. Yeah. It's like kind of coming back to that piece of like the function and why it's there, and like when you have the need to protect versus when maybe there's less yeah. need to be protected.
1: Yeah. So, for example, you know, if I think about my own experience, when I went in and healed, you know, the very young part of me who felt deep shame and discomfort about her body, my restriction part was able to soften back. It no longer mm. had to in to protect this younger part of me that held, you know, that shame. The same with my binge eating part. My binge eating part's intention was to protect me from the deprivation that I was experiencing. Some of that deprivation was food-related, but there was also deprivation around, you know, the lack of love. Connection, sense of belonging that I had. And my binge eating part came in to protect me from that deprivation. But it actually didn't fully Mm -hmm. step back until I accessed the younger wounded part of me that really suffered under that deprivation, that really did experience disconnection and loneliness. And once I was able to be with her from this place of self, really witness her experience, really witness those feelings, and to help her release you know the kind of core negative beliefs that she was holding you know once i did that my binging part was able to stop it was able to race there was no need for it to intervene in the way that it was
0: so yeah yeah oh, it's such a like compassionate way to look at it Hey, I'm just stopping the podcast episode to let you know about a new group therapy that will be starting in January. So this time of year, as we are potentially reflecting on our last year, we may be looking at what type of support we would like to have as we move forward in our recovery in 2024. We believe that group work can be such a beautiful part of recovery. And this is why we have a group therapy that is designed for folks who are recovering from their eating disorder. In January, we will be starting our stage one, which is the stabilized stage for recovery program. If you are interested in learning more about groups and how groups can be part of your treatment, visit www.thebalancepractice.com to learn more. I'm curious, like I'm, I'm sure it's very different for everyone, but I can imagine that it, this is probably something that's done over a long period of time in terms of being able to like explore every role, explore every part. But then even like, when I think about like healing the shame of your younger self, like that in itself can be a journey of itself. Yeah, sure. But I guess
1: IFAS can be done, you know, with a professional, but there's also lots of work we can do ourselves. So, you know, that You can have regular sessions with a therapist, but I also encourage my clients to do a lot of work in between sessions. And they can do that simply just by pausing and checking in with their system and seeing who's around. I often encourage kind of what I call a daily parts practice, where they do put some time aside, even if it's only for a few minutes, to begin checking in with their system. And that checking in really helps build that sense of safety, sense of trust sense of faith and self, mm. you know, to really be there and hold and attend to their experience. You know, that's really, really important work. Our protectors need to feel safe before they'll step back and give us access to those excels. So there's actually a lot of work that can happen out with Session too. Yeah, I love that. And do you recommend people naming their parts? Sure, yeah. I mean, (laughs) very few of my parts have names, but I have colleagues who have all kinds of names for all kinds of their parts. So it really depends on the individual in terms of how they do that. I tend to name my parts into relation to kind of what they're focused on. So, you know, like I have a timekeeping part or an overworking part you know that kind of thing i mean some of my colleagues have amazing creative names for
0: all their parts yeah Yeah, i love that i had a client who was doing ifs with the therapist and she would always tell me about it and like name their parts but she like she really leaned into like the family system piece and like there was like uncles and aunts and cousins and all these things and they all related to themselves like very differently and it was like such a like family tree basically of all her parts but beautiful. I I loved it like it was so cool and I'm like it's mm-hmm. I, like it even helps the brain kind of like well you're when your cousin is this way it makes sense that your uncle reacts this way because like and then it just gets very like yeah beautiful yeah, and, like, so narrative we, can also,
1: we can also create it sounds like she kind of created a kind of parts map. Is that what you're kind of describing? Oh, that, that might have been it. Yeah, because I, um, I use an app. I mean, there are specific parts apps out there, um, but there's an app I use. It's called the Miro app. Um, It's just basically an ever-extending whiteboard and it's really helpful for parts work because you can start with, you know, one or two, three parts maybe and expand, you know, as you go, as you learn more about your system. You can use images, drawings, Mm -hmm. post-it notes, I don't know, you can add all kinds of things in to create your parts map, but it's a really beautiful way to get an overview for system and to really keep track of the parts that you're encountering as you kind of do the work inside. Yeah, it's been a big part of my
0: process yeah yeah and i feel like it brings out the little bit of like the creative part of ourselves too to be engaged in that process that's really cool and for those who are kind of
1: more organized like there are people who have really kind of organizational parts they might kind of create excel spreadsheets with all the different parts and their details and you know their gifts and their
0: qualities and their traits and the rules that they yeah so there's lots of ways to do this yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And then just back a little bit more towards like eating disorder care in treatment. Like, is there a time that like IFS would be contraindicated that like may not be the best modality for certain clients? I mean, I treat clients at all stages of the journey. So yeah, I guess for me, the
1: answer is no at this point, because I have you know, often, you know, particular approaches are contraindicated if someone is significantly malnourished, but not with IFAs, because IFAs is about the self of me being with the client and... You know, often Mm. in that state of malnourishment, there are parts we can connect to, parts who are frightened, um, parts who Mm -hmm. are stuck, parts who are angry, parts who are
0: frustrated, you know, there's still work that Mm -hmm. we can do at that stage. So, I honestly kind of really love that because I feel like it's really hard. And I mean, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but like an eating disorder care, like depending where you are and like, especially at the beginning and with the malnutrition, like. There can be, like, and like you know, like many modalities that are not recommended at that time, and we're really focused on other things. And the person is still there, and the person is still going through a lot of those really hard things so it can be really hard when it's like well first we have to only focus on the body and we need to make sure the body's safe and then we can do other things which for me like as a dietitian like i know that like you know malnutrition does impact cognition so we may not be able to go full on but i don't think that like removing all aspects of it is necessarily ideal either because i think the process of nutrition rehabilitation can be the most difficult or a yeah. very challenging part of recovery. Yeah, so I and really I, love that it's kind of like showing up where they're at.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the value in being able to offer, you know, this presence of self to, you know, if we if we take the example you shared there, you know, very treatment where people are sort of entering sort of refeeding program. There's a part who is going to want to be, you know, the good patient and do what they're told, but there's also going to be a part that's absolutely terrified of putting anything in their mouth. So being able to sit with that person and acknowledge both those parts and hold the experience of both those parts in a very tentative, gentle, compassionate way, you know, that's how you address conflict and that's how you address this internal conflict. And actually, once those parts are heard they they're felt they're seen there's a softening and actually it then makes it more possible to eat the food to do the thing so yeah for me you know ifs can really kind of fill that gap
0: um that more traditional approaches you know don't and i'm curious like so somebody also listening to this who maybe is engaging in therapy already like when would you recommend maybe that they do try ifs or like is there a specific like I don't even know how to word this question, but like a specific person for who you're like this is really great and will be very beneficial I don't know if there's a particular type of person I think all kinds of people
1: respond well to IFAS you know I'm a a very visual person I really kind of visualise my parts but you don't necessarily need to be a visual person to engage in Mm IFAS Richard Schwartz who developed it he can only hear inside he has no visual capacity inside and yet he was able to work Mm. with parts beautifully so you know in terms of the types of people I mean maybe those who Thank you feel much safer in their head you know feel much safer with the kind of more cognitive processes you know they might need a little bit more support in terms of moving into the body but I find that many of my clients need that support anyway because the body's been such an unsafe place so even just acknowledging the cognitive part who wants to stay in the head and is fearful of going into the body even just spending Mm some time with that part can, can help that transition into body. I mean I've yet to come across a client who has <laughs> and who hasn't warmed <laughs> like to this benefit. idea of parts and you know understanding. Yeah. So it sounds like for
0: most folks yeah so it sounds like for most folks with eating disorder IFS could be something to look into to be able yeah, to kind of deep deepen that work. Yeah. Because it has yeah. that
1: you know it has that sort of theory part but it also has this experience of coming into the body and paying attention to what's going on inside and for me that's a really crucial element of disordered eating recovery because so much of the experience is like I just don't want to go into my body it's too frightening it's too scary in there let's just stay disconnected and unless that kind of healing piece with the body is done people are far more likely
0: to relapse so IFAS also traces oh. that piece of the puzzle too yeah, yeah. it's a, a little bit like like the somatic work too yeah like somatic therapy that sounds like it's kind of included through yeah. it Yeah, IFAS <laughs> integrates beautifully with
1: somatic work Yeah absolutely yeah
0: and that's it also awesome. integrates
1: really well with EMDR too that's also really good mm. combination for if there's any EMDR therapists out there IFS integrates really beautifully with that approach that's amazing
0: yeah yeah any yeah. other like specific for folks with eating disorders that we should know about IFS or that is like particularly beneficial for folks with ED I mean for
1: me you know in terms of my own experience just understanding that you know it wasn't all of me that was engaging in the restriction or it wasn't all of me that was engaging in the binge eating because that just felt so confusing. You know, why am I doing, you know, this thing one day and doing the very opposite the next day? It was just, you know, it just felt like chaos in my head. So, you know, this idea that actually, you know, the behavior is driven by these different parts with different intentions, with different rules in my system, all trying to
0: do the best they can with what they've got. It was just something so valuable for that in me. I love that so, so much. I think that's like, yeah, it's so cool. I think it's so nuanced and it just really like Almost like celebrates the complexities of being a human being. <laughs> <laughs> or like there's, there's things sure all of the does. <laughs> Yeah,
1: and this idea that we can welcome in every part. So even though from the outside, it may look as if this part is causing chaos and destruction, there's a positive intention here. And it's protecting mm-hmm. something inside a deeper kind of core wound. That needs healing. Yeah. And the intensity of the parts, you know, the intensity of these parts that show up around, you know, food in the body, the more intense these parts show up, you know, the more that highlights the intensity of what's being held inside of the wound that's being carried and the work mm. that we need to do to
0: heal that. Mm. That's so beautiful. And you've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about how IFS can be done in session with a therapist, but there's also things that can be done on our own. I'm wondering if you have any resources or anything you would recommend to listeners who are maybe like interested by this and want to learn more about it.
1: Yeah, so I would re- definitely recommend, you know, for therapists, there's a, an Internal Family Systems Therapy book. Um, it's the second edition, and that really covers all the different aspects of IFS therapy. Um, for a kind of lighter read, um, I would recommend The No Bad Parts um, by Richard Storage. But there's also lots of kind of guided meditations to work with your parts on different apps, things like Insight Timer. You'll find things on YouTube, mm. lots of things on Instagram, you know, all the social media stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. IFS has really taken off um in the last decade or so. It's been around for a long time, but it's really taken
0: off in the last decade or so. So there's a lot more resources kind of out there, freely available to people. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Perfect. And we're also going li- to link all of your stuff in the bio too. So people can check out your website and Instagram and all of the things, Um, but I'd love to know, like, yeah, I was going to say if people want to work with you or learn more about you, how can they go about that?
1: Yeah, so everything that you've mentioned, so online courses, (laughs) therapy, IFS groups, I have some free resources too on my website, access to my podcast, my blog, all the stuff. It's all on my website. So yeah. And if they want to get a sense of an actual IFS session, then I would recommend listening to my podcast. The episodes of my podcast are, you know, it's me guiding these amazing women from all over the world to explore their internal world, to explore the parts of them that are focused on food and the body that'll give folks a real sense of maybe what a session looks and feels
0: like oh that's know. amazing that's really really cool so everything will be linked in the show notes Celia's doing like all of the things right now so yay <laughs> busy, busy, busy. we're just <laughs> busy busyness uh but all good things so before we go today I'd love to go through our fun questions with you the first one being what is your favorite food Well, I was really thinking about this. This question is so hard (laughs) because I have so Mm
1: -hmm. many favorite Um, It is the hardest question. Yeah, the thing in Narrow Down was a roast chicken dinner. Love a roast chicken dinner with all the trimmings.
0: That is legit. Love it. Love it. If you could have a superpower, what would it be?
1: Again, so many things. I would love to be able to transport myself anywhere
0: in the world within a few minutes. Mm, That would be like 10 out of 10. You yeah. could have done this podcast live. <laughs> I like, think you could come to yeah. Ottawa. <laughs> I would never have to be in your airport again. Never have to get on a plane. Oh gosh, that would be ideal. That would be ideal. Yeah, would not. Uh, what is your favorite way to self-care?
1: Well, I guess because I'm an IFS therapist, I'm quite biased. But <laughs> my favorite way to self-care is to lie still, to go inside, and to let my parts know
0: that I am here with them. That is so beautiful. I love that. I love that. And last question for you. What does balance mean to you? Again, I'm going to use a kind of IFS thing here, too. It's really for me, this idea
1: of balance is really about listening and attending to the different needs of my parts so that they all feel heard and then leading from self
0: in this really informed way. I like, love that so much. And I love how much you embody your work. I think that's just such a cool thing that you you do and it really comes across thank you so much for being on the podcast this was such a fun conversation I'm really glad we got to connect everybody go check her out and all of her things yeah it was just really cool to connect with you oh it was super to me Marie. thank you so much Hey, friend, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I did. I think this is such a cool approach to recovery. And I'm actually really excited to learn more about this and seeing how I can bring this in my own work with my clients. If you are looking for support to recover from your eating disorder, the balance practice is the place for you. And you can get more information by visiting www.thebalancepractice.com. On that note, my friend, I hope you have a beautiful beginning of your December and we'll catch you next week in the next podcast episode.